If you have your Bible tonight, go ahead and turn to Galatians 6. Galatians 6. And I have to admit tonight, about this time of year, I've I've been here for five years. Actually, I'm going past five years at this point uh, in April. And this time of year as a pastor probably bums me out more than any other time of year. (laughs) The reason why is because, and we all do this, we all do this, we all tend to kind of check out around this time of year going into the summer, and we kind of check back in sometime in the fall and kind of, and what's been on my heart is I've been asking myself, because I've, I've almost just resigned myself to it, and, and that's never a good thing, Right? I want, to, I want to remind you tonight, the devil does not take vacation, Joe. <laughs> Neither does God. And I have a heavy word for you tonight. Are you okay with that? Buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> Go ahead and just cinch that, cinch that buckle a little tighter. Because I'm going to talk about the fact that, that the world, I shared with our LCU group of students last night, and I, I shared from my heart about excellence excellence in ministry, excellence as believers, to really applying ourselves to the principle that God wants us to excel and be excellent in everything that we do. And uh, those wheels have been turning for a while regarding the church. And I told him last night, and I'll, I'll expound on this a little bit and expand it a little bit tonight, but what we see going on in the world, the craziness, how many agree that the world's just sometimes... People don't even know what bathroom to use anymore, y'all. I don't say that jokingly. I say the world is a mess. And my heart is heavy because God is not going to lay that blame at at the feet of the sheep. He's going to lay it at the feet of the shepherds. He's going to lay that at the feet of the shepherds because we have a model of church that wants to entertain everybody and wants to draw a crowd of fans, but in a lot of ways we don't want to make disciples. Encouragement and letting the church know that there's people that care about them and love them and want to see the best for them is wonderful. But if we stop there and do not tell them the truth, amen? If we do not tell them the truth, and I know the natural response is, and this is a response in the world we're living in today, is, well, what is truth? Because we live in a world where everybody comes up with their own truth. And you're exactly right. Well, truth is a person. And truth is the word of God that he has already given us. So as I'm heading into this time of year, I, I've really been challenged even the last few days, but even the previous few weeks, and I just began to ask myself some what-if questions. And these what-if what if questions, I hope, will filter down to this body because instead of me heading into this time of year when naturally, just because of the area we live in, we lose a lot of really good people because they you know, go back to their home states. for the, I say, come on, y'all. You can't stand a little 98-degree and 100% humidity. I mean, come on. Suck it up. Stay here and suffer with the rest of us. And that's just a natural thing. But here's the what-ifs that I ask myself. 
I said, Lord, what if we saw the most explosive move of God that we've ever seen going into this summer? What if we took the opportunity with a few extra empty seats heading into the summer to really apply ourselves to realizing that the enemy does not take vacations and God does not take... And listen, I love it when I get to take a vacation. I love Sabbath rest. I've been, I've been applying myself more to that of just understanding the principle that we can do far more with God in our corner than we can working on our own. Amen? So don't hear what I'm about to say tonight in the, in, the, in the wrong spirit of I'm trying to just get you to move into something that's not. I believe with all of my heart that all the problems in the world are fixable with the move of the Holy Spirit and God's people to stop associating themselves so closely with the world that there is absolutely no distinction between the church and the world. I told you it's going to get heavy tonight because this is, this is really burrowing down and burning in my heart that here's, here's how I would put it. I would put it in these terms. What if you were engaged to be married, you loved the, the young lady that you're engaged to? We are called the bride of Christ, right? So that means Jesus has already given the invitation of, of giving his all to us. And I think the question that the Lord, if he were standing here right near here tonight and addressing Christian Center Church, including the shepherd, because I, what last night and just sharing with those, those students reminded me, I did not choose to do this. I didn't choose to be a pastor. I was called to be a pastor. And there was a period of time for a lot of years that that was a very high honor. It was, it was treated as an honor to be able to stand in that pulpit and to be able to steward. This is not mine. This is his. And he's called all of us as a team to steward what God has given us. And I really believe if, if the Lord were standing right here on the stage and spoke to us, he would tell us to begin to shrink the middle ground of our lives because we all like to live in that place called the middle, right? I'm telling you, we do. The middle ground of life looks like this. As I was saying, what if you were engaged to, you know, this young lady, you thought the world ever, you know, you've been dating for a year or courting for a year and you uh, spent a year in engagement and you pulled in the parking lot one night of a restaurant and there she is, hanging out around a car with four or five guys and they're all partying and she's having a good time and you pulled in and you thought, hey, what about your commitment to me, right? Wouldn't that be the first thing that you think of is, well, what about our love relationship? And tonight, I think the the call of the Lord for us as a church, and I'm going to have a response tonight in altar call where we just freshly rededicate ourselves to shrinking that middle ground. In other words, we say... And this is what's going on in the church all around us. We say, man, I, I love the Lord on Sunday and maybe Wednesday, but I'm out sleeping with somebody that's not my spouse on Saturday. Are you hearing me tonight? And I, 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 man, I really, like, I really like the whole Jesus thing on Sunday, but I spend most of my time drunk instead of sober. Are you hearing your pastor tonight? What we have done is blurred 
the lines. God doesn't like to blend things, if you notice in the Bible. He doesn't. Well, isn't that what a blender is? A blender, everything goes in, <laughs> and it all gets blended up. So you can't tell if this was put in or that was put in. That is what the church has become. And it's not the fault of the sheep. It's the fault of people behind the pulpit that want to tickle people's ears Amen. and wants to, they, they constantly want to just, in other words, we're so afraid if you offend or tell people the truth. But can I tell you tonight, the truth is what sets people free. Amen. And we have become so afraid of standing up for what, I'm not talking about your opinion or your preferences. There's so many things that we get caught up in that that the Lord doesn't have absolutely anything to do with. But I am talking about the bedrock truths of God's word that we back up off of because we feel like, well, we're going to step on somebody's toes. Can I tell you, there's something wrong with the world and we can see it. But just as equally, we need to evaluate ourselves as a church and say to ourselves, is there a place where I am mixing things? I mean, all through the Bible, even clear back in the Old Testament, when, when the, the priest wore their, their garment, it wasn't mixed. God didn't want it mixed with anything else. So there's a real principle in the Bible that clearly lays out that if we are to be a friend of the world, then we have made ourselves an enemy of God. I see a look on some of your faces like, man, I came in here on Wednesday night to hear this. You need to hear this. Because I, as, as, as heavy as my heart has been lately, I also feel a groundswell of truth rising up. I feel a groundswell of, of genuine hunger for God swelling up. And again, I started by just asking myself these what-if questions. What if we applied ourselves to spiritual discipline for the next week. I'm telling you, you wouldn't recognize this place next fall when people begin to come back in because they would walk in and say, God has done something here. And can I tell you, God desires to do it. It's his people that need to come into alignment with what God desires to do. And I'm telling you tonight, if you are involved in something that is against the word of God, then you need to repent and you need to get it right. Most of you are like, man, we're here on Wednesday, bro. Preach that on Sunday. <laughs> Maybe I will. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit led me to this tonight for this reason. As equally as I was able to talk to a group of people that are developing their leadership skills and developing and going deeper in the Word, the Wednesday night crew are the ones that I look to and say, if God is going to do what I believe he's going to do, he's going to light you on fire before he starts to light anybody else on fire. Because this group, obviously, are some of the most dedicated to God. You're like, man, why do I need to hear this? We need to hear this because the world will just absolutely suck you in. It will. When you you begin to just fill your mind, your heart, and your thoughts with things of the world, listen... We've all experienced it. It has, a, it has an ability to just begin to pull you into something. And the danger is, is you forget that you've been pulled into something and you're just living your life day after day after day and you begin to tell yourself, why, well, God's okay with that. No, God's giving you space for grace. He's giving you space for grace. I shared that with somebody that I was uh, communicating with just yesterday. They said, I don't know what that means. And I said, what it means is that God will not always strive with man. Are you listening to me? God gives us space with grace and backs up 
and he will talk to you and speak to you and love you and lead you and and send people in your life to tell you the truth of the you see we can pursue the things of the world that is a choice but i'm telling you the consequences are far beyond anything that you could possibly imagine that they would be far beyond and tonight i want to talk about that in galatians as a matter of fact it reminds me to go ahead and announce because i forgot Week after next, a week after share, we will be starting another four-week courses of Bible studies. And I just want to plug that in because on that first one in here, we'll break out like we did before. We'll do some some different studies. But I'm going to teach on the book of Galatians um, deeply. That's where we're going to go in this class, and we'll have other classes going on. But um, just put that little plug in it. It reminded me. But in Galatians here that we're going to look at tonight, Paul mentioned some things that he is marked with. Everybody say marked. We are to be marked by the cross. In church, when we talk about the cross, all of us absolutely love the fact, and this is a fact, that our, our, our slate is wiped clean, that we are forgiven, that we are blood-bought, purchased, redeemed, brought into the family of God through no work of your own, but by God's sheer grace and power, you are redeemed. That word redeemed literally means, like the word picture there is somebody walking through a marketplace and they see an item that nobody else can afford and that person says, that's what I want. Do you understand God loves you and desires you and bring you? We love that part of the cross But can I tell you another part of the cross that we often skip over is the part that it says take up your cross daily and follow me. That means death to yourself and death to being in cahoots with the world and living like the world and talking like the world and enjoying everything like the world. Leonard Ravenhill put it much better than I could ever put it, and if I could sum up this whole sermon in one sentence. The reason I'm speaking this on Wednesday night, because if this group doesn't get into gear and begin to moving towards God and purity and living for him 100%, I'm not talking 30%, 60%, 90%, I can't do this on my own. I need a group of people that are just as sold out. I offended somebody one time so badly, I guess, I, they, they left. Because I made the comment that I'm not looking for a big church. I'm looking for an effective church. And they took that as, well, he just wants people to leave. No, I don't. I want you to take the gospel seriously. Because there are churches all over the United States of America that are filled with thousands of people that come for nothing more than to say, man, I need a little Jesus in my life just to kind of make it through. Do you understand? You don't need a little Jesus in your life. You need all of him because he has offered all of himself to each and every one of us. Leonard Ravenhill said it this way. He said, are the things that you're living for worth Christ dying for? That's a great question to ask ourselves sometimes. Are, Are the things that I'm living for, the things that I'm really focused on, is my daily life as I wake up every morning and lay my head down at night have I lived a life that has, has been careful to keep myself separated from the things of the world? And church, let me go ahead and say, and we all know this, we all struggle in different areas, okay? Can we just lay that out? We do. We all struggle in different areas. 
But can I tell you what we begin to do? A lot of people will begin to just find somebody to agree with their struggle. My goodness, we're living in a world like that, are we not? You cannot confront anybody with the truth. And can I tell you, if you won't allow yourself to be confronted with truth, you will never grow into the man and woman of God that God, that God has called you to be. My word, everything's about, well, I had this happen 25 years. Get over it. And let God do a work in your life and your heart. The best thing that has ever happened to me, it says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Because a, a real friend and a real leader, and the reason that you have pastors that really preach the truth probably don't have huge congregations is because people who are looking to have their ears tickled will find it tickled somewhere. And they'll go somewhere where they'll just feel like, oh, okay, you know, I, I can just slide in and go out. And You say, how do you know that? I know that because mega churches, I'm not bagging on mega churches. I came from a church that's, I mean, statistically it's a mega church. I mean, it's probably 1,200 people. So I came from that, but devoted, love God. Doesn't matter the size of it. But I know statistically people that just want to, have their ears tickle, are attracted to bigger churches because they actually come less than they do smaller churches because there's no what? Accountability. <laughs> so we're all marked by something, but my question to us tonight, are we marked by the things of the world or are we marked by devotion to Jesus Christ? Are we marked by complete and totally being sold out to him and his word and who he is and he's saying that to us he says I'm looking for some people to represent me to a messed up jacked up world and we don't re represent him in anger and being accusatory or anything like that but I think it's time that the people that name him and say we're going to be married to him someday at the marriage supper of the lamb finally make a decision to be completely devoted to him and his kingdom amen our lives are going to be marked by something. My question is, what is your life going to be marked for? In other words, when, when people look at you, and they do look at you if you name the name of Jesus Christ, they're looking at you. What is your life, life marked by? Is your, is your life marked by love for God and others, dedication and sacrifice? Is it marked by excellence? Or are you known for darkness and worldliness? Is there a blend in there? Some could look at you and say, yeah, I see light, but I also see the things that they say and do. Church, it's time that we wholly and completely mark ourselves. Literally, our very DNA be marked by Jesus Christ. Because I do not want to mark myself with the most dreaded words and all of the Bible, compromise. Amen? Compromise is that blended, fuzzy Christian middle. And can I tell you this honestly tonight? It's the place that God dislikes the most. That middle, that fuzzy place, that eh, just maybe a little this and that. The question all throughout the New Testament was this. Almost every letter Paul wrote dealt with this issue. Are we to mark ourselves? 
So in Galatia, and we're getting ready to read there in chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, what did this mean to them? The last chapter in Galatians is a debate because some of the Judaizers, as the Bible calls them, had come in and they wanted them to be marked. They said, it's great that you follow Jesus. It's great that you're free. It's great that you're, you're sold out to him. But let, let's go ahead and add some of these other things to it. So in verse 15, he says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. What is he saying? He's saying it's no longer the external that matters, but have you been changed in your heart? That is the question. In other words, is there something working itself from the inside out, not the outside in? I mean, when we fall in love with something, we oftentimes want to get it tattooed, right? I mean, dogs, cats, cars, bands, mama's face, or somebody you loved at one time. God forbid that you divorce them and you still, I guess they could go in and redo that. Yeah, they got lasers and stuff now. But he dealt with this issue of marking. And what I wanted to tell you tonight is that you can choose to be marked by him. Because here's what his marking is. It's his cross. It's his cross. In Galatians verse 17 in the same chapter, he says, From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been reading Galatians for months now. And I love it that that's the next to the last sentence because Paul is kind of saying, You want to see my commitment? Do you want to see how sold out to God I am? All Paul would have had to do, as we all know, is just take off that robe. Multiple times he was beaten 39 times with a cat and nine. That wasn't one time. Everybody, anybody seen the Passion of the Christ? Awful. Paul had that done to him multiple times. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. He was left for dead. All these things in the life of Paul. And he says, you want to see and talk about things external. Let me show you something external that shows you what I have been marked by. And it's not what you think it is. I have been marked and consumed completely, sold out to Jesus, to his call, and to what he has called me to do. You understand that, that revelation or that, that truth of preaching isn't preached anymore. It's not preached that I'm no longer my own, but the life that I I now live, I live for him and his glory. But I do know this, if, if 12 unlearned fishermen and tax collectors and everyday people could be sold out to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because you understand when you walk into heaven, when you say, well, our sin doesn't matter anymore and it really doesn't matter the decisions I make and it doesn't really matter what I do, when you walk into heaven, you are going to see for all eternity the heaviness and the weight and the awfulness of sin because Jesus himself is marked with for eternity with marks on his hands, a spear in his side, and whip marks on his back, you will be able to see what he is marked with. In church tonight, I'm not talking about following in those footsteps of hoping anything like that. 
would obviously happen to us, but I began to think, what would a life marked truly by Jesus look like? Not a tattoo, not a pretty gold cross that we wear around our neck, not being beaten and left for dead like Paul, of course, but a life that's truly been changed from the inside out. What would it look like and what would those marks be? And it always amazes me even just standing up here and looking at a crowd of people because I know there's several of you that are more interested in what's on Facebook than what I'm saying right now. Tell me how that makes sense. I can sit at home and read Facebook. When I come into God's house, it's a mark of somebody whose life has not really truly been touched and changed. And God forbid that we spend 30 years in church and never learn what it's actually all about. It's not about the person up here, and it's not really about the person there. It's about him. It's about being marked by him and for his glory. It's about laying down everything of our selfishness and our pride and everything we think it's about so that I may die to myself so that Christ may live through me. That will shake a world. If he could take 12 unlearned people and spend three years with them? Imagine what he could do with the church of even a hundred people that are totally sold out to him and love nothing but God and fear nothing but sin. We could shake Homosassa to its very foundation. As soon as Jesus set foot on this earth, he knew what his purpose was, did he not? He knew that the cross, he said he set his, his face like flint towards Jerusalem. He set his face like flint knowing that he came to serve, not to be served. He came to offer himself up as a sacrifice for many. My point tonight is Jesus is not messing around with sin because he is internally, eternally marked by it. And we live in a culture where truth is shunned so that we can live any way that we want. Amen? There are two revelations we need to have as a church. There's two revelations that I've always seen the church as. And everybody say family. The church is a family. Everybody say the church is an army. So the church is a family, and the church, the revelation we have of the church is an army. And oftentimes we get kind of maybe unbalanced in both those things. See, what I love about a family, and I hope your family is like this or has been like this, in my family, and I try to model this with my kids, is I want to encourage them, Magnus. I want to, I want to care for them. I want to love them. I want to, want to tell them and pat them on the back. It's all going to be okay. But how many have learned raising kids? You can't just encourage and love on them. Sometimes you've got to give them the truth. Sometimes you, you've got to tell them the truth that the way that you're living is not the way that God has called us to live. So there's a very real element that we are a family that functions like a family, but we also are an army that God has called out of darkness into his glorious light, and it's time for us to take seriously the army aspect of the family of God because we're not just called to come in here and continually week after week and month after month and year after year pat you on the back and say, it's okay that you're living sinfully. It's not. 
we come in like an army and understand that an army functions in a way that we all stand to attention under our general Jesus Christ. And we know that we can make a difference. But listen to me. This is what is going on in our society is any time that you stand up for the truth, listen, when you begin to stand up for the truth, you're going to have people come after you. And I, I came here tonight to tell you that is not going to get better. They I didn't come to scare you. I came to tell you the truth because we are in an army. And in an army, you have to identify who the enemy is. The enemy is not people. People are not your problem. It is the prince of the power of the air, and his name is Satan, and he's real, and he is really, really messing with a lot of people. And any time that you try to stand up for any truth, listen, they're going to come. I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, come get me. Because I'm not going to back up off of what God's word says. For instance, God said he made them man, and he made them woman. Pastor, are you getting political? No, I'm not. It is an affront to God himself to say he can't decide what people are that we as the creation get to decide those things. Are you listening to me? And you guys know me well enough deep in your heart to know that if somebody walked in that door and struggled with anything, I am going to walk through it with them inch by bloody inch and mile. Because why? Because I'm in an army. It's not just a family. And an army can't operate on feelings. They've got to operate on fact. And the fact of the matter is, is the church has gotten so blended in with the world, nobody even knows what we stand for anymore. And it's not the people sitting in these seats' fault. It's from the people that are standing right there behind it. It is. We just, we don't want to ruffle any feathers. Can I tell you, that hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. We need to stand up and put our money where our mouth is. Because if we really truly love people, if you really truly love someone, you do not want to see their life wrecked and destroyed. Because Jesus Christ, you can follow the path of sin in your own darkness, in your own way, but where it's going to lead are consequences, again, that you don't want to have anything to do with. So is it love to have somebody that has a poisonous snake in their pocket? Well, just treat him good. Maybe he won't kill you. No, he's going to bite, and he's going to harm you. The enemy has no agenda but to kill, steal, and destroy. So if we aren't just a family and we're to stand up for truth, we have to come to attention to know that our warfare is not here. It is in the heavenly places. It is in understanding that we as an army can begin to kind of come together and fight what the enemy is doing around us. And if that causes us to stand up and say, no, we're going to stand on this truth right here. Why? Because it's in the Word of God, and it's backed up in the Word of God, and I'm going to stand on what God says no matter what anybody else is saying. And again, it's not, in my view, it's not necessarily the fault. Because if you go out into this world, and I hope you do, you guys work jobs and you have family members and you have real-life things going on in your life every single day, you have those things going on. You go out into this world, I'm telling you, People, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, from my heart to yours tonight, the world is looking for people that will stand up and finally say, you're wrong, and this is the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life is a person, Jesus Christ, 
And when you come into relationship with him, what does it mean to be marked by God? It means that you literally have his DNA on the inside of you. You have his person on the inside of you. And when you begin to get close to the world, there are warning signs and bells going off in your life and in your heart. Back up, back up, back up. Oftentimes we don't hear them or we don't pay any attention to them. So then God begins to send family members. But can we all get to the place where we understand that if somebody confronts you with truth, they're not trying to do you harm. They're trying to save your soul. celebrity church culture that we've formed is awful. It's awful. And it's done a lot of harm to the church of Jesus Christ. If we don't take up our weapon and fight like an army, we will never have victory. So we are a family who fights. Not with each other. (laughs) Please don't. We're Becoming, and I believe in the future, going to become a family that fights lies. Did Jesus not say he's the father? He is the, he's the one that originates the lies. So surround yourself and be in a church of people that don't just comfort you and care for you, but love you enough to tell you the truth. Amen? Truth. Everybody say truth. We live in a culture that has lost every ounce of framework of truth. So what does it mean to be marked by the cross? I'll give you a couple of phrases. It means to be alive to God, and it means to be dead to the world. It means to be alive to God, and it means to be dead to the world. Turn to Romans 12 and I'll finish there. I don't want to bum you out tonight, but I did come to tell you this. God is holy. And if you want to hang out with God, you have to be holy too. And you're looking at a man who could learn a lot of that himself right now in this moment. Be holy. The beginning of wisdom, it says, is the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says clearly that our God is a consuming fire. That's who he is. We need to have a proper view and understanding of God and who he is. And I'm not arguing theology tonight. I'm telling you the truth of God's word. It's time for the people of God in any area that you find yourself in, to separate yourself from the junk and understand that God is looking at his people. Why? Because if you're his and you're his child and you're also engaged, and again, would you want to come upon your, you're the one you're engaged to, enjoying a night out with a bunch of dudes? No. We're supposed to be holy and pure. Why? Because he called us to be holy and pure. Romans 12, verse 9 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So I'm going to take that and just give you five quick things tonight that you can begin to apply to your life, and here they are. Number one, it says to really care about each other. How many can know when somebody's faking concern for you? (laughs) It's like a radar. You know, the mark of a true man or woman of God that's separated from the world is you begin to really genuinely care about people, not in not in lip service, but actually genuinely care to check on them. Number two, quickly, it says this, hate what is evil. Church, can I tell you, you will never overcome sin in your life until you learn to hate it. We pet it, we, we enjoy it kind of, we, we, yeah, it's okay. It's like the woman with the issue of blood I mentioned earlier. She was so desperate. You know, the times that I've gotten delivered of things wasn't when I just made excuses for it. It's when I got desperate to be whole and to be holy and to be healed and to move on with God. Number three, grab hold of something good. Everybody say something good. What the world doesn't understand is they think you're trying to ruin their big party. But how many have lived a life and said, man, that is a dead end and goes absolutely nowhere? Jesus is offering the good. He's offering joy. He's offering peace. He's offering love. He's offering covenant. He's offering relationship. So the Bible and Christianity isn't about a list of don'ts, church. It's about what you get to do. And you get to be in relationship with the God of heaven. That's why I keep myself pure from the things of the world. And again, I'm standing here honestly admitting I'm not perfect. Don't pretend to be. Paul didn't pretend to be. He was a Jew of Jews and he didn't argue about circumcision and he didn't argue about theology. He said this, look at my back and look at my life and understand that I have been marked by something greater than myself that I would never turn my back on. So you hold to what is good and you abhor what is evil. We need to get back in the church to abhorring what is evil. And I know the, the question that you're sitting there with. Well, tell me what is truly evil. If we cannot begin to define that as the people of God, then we, were more, we are more lost than the people that are apart from Christ. Number four, show honor. He says just show honor. The problem in America is we are in a culture of disrespect. And there are all types of evil that traffics in a culture of disrespect. God operates in a culture of honor. That is so important that we honor each other, that we even honor spiritual leadership. You know what I just make a practice of doing? I want to encourage you to do it too. I always talk up to people. It doesn't mean necessarily that they're honorable in something that maybe they're doing or even the way that they're speaking to me in the moment or anything else. But you want to disarm somebody, just begin to, I'm sorry, sir. Amen? What would the world look like if we applied this to our living lives? It's not about just separating yourself from the sin of the world. Listen, begin to care for each other. Begin to cling to what is good because he is good and he's worthy of clinging to. Begin to show honor in your family. Begin to show honor in your work relationships and begin to show those things. And I promise you, it will come 
back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's not just a money thing. Because anytime the Bible says, do not be deceived, right? It's right there in the same chapter in Galatians that I've been reading to you. Anytime the Bible says, do not be deceived, you better pay close attention. Why? Because it's telling you, you can be deceived. And he goes on to say, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Don't be deceived. So if we're talking about honor, and you say, well, nobody honors me. Well, honor somebody else. Oh, they're so blessed. I don't understand why God always comes through for them. Because I listen to the word of God. You listen to the word of God. It's not a secret. Okay. I promise you, if you succeed in something, you can trace it back to somebody you honored. And if you fail at something, it'll be because of somebody you dishonored. I guarantee it. Number five, and I'll close with this. Stand up with me tonight. Lupita, if you'd come and just play. I want there to be a response tonight, and it's not going to be anything... Nobody's going to lay hands on you. If you know anything about me, what I'm trying to do is to create a culture here to where you can walk in these doors and get something from God yourself. My goodness, church, the church, the, the Bible says that you don't even have need for a man to teach you. What if we learn that? You have an anointing. Does that do away with pastors and teachers and evangelists? Of course not. But it's saying that you have something inside of you that a lot of times you haven't even tapped into yet. You want to know how to tap into it? Here's my point tonight. The last thing is just be on fire for God. God let's ask God to start a fire in our lives and in our hearts. Let's, let's ask God to start a fire in our church. Let's ask God to, to, to stir us up for evangelism. I want to see this church full not to see this church full. I want to see people changed by the gospel that changed me. You say, well, God can just come down and do it. He does it through us. But he's not, he's going to hold himself back and he's not going to do it through a church that's full of compromise. He's not going to do it through a pastor who's full of compromise. I told Leah a couple weeks ago, I said, God's dealing with me, Leah, and I, I'm, I'm almost just, I'm heavy hearted about where it's going as far as just beginning to preach to the people of God about some of the things that are going on, okay? And I told her this. I said, I'm not going to stand up there and preach until I check my life very thoroughly. Again, I found attitudes in my own heart and my own life, and I'm like, God, I want there to be a fire in my life that burns up every trace of sin, burns up everything of the enemy, Here's my point. When we're marked by him, it is irresistible to a world that's lost and drowning because he is so good. He is so holy and awesome. So can I ask you tonight, don't do this out of just asking. I want you to make a genuine response. If you just come up here and say, Lord, we're going to stand for truth. We're going to stand for you. And, Lord, start a fire in our hearts and in this church. God, burn up everything that's not of you. Would you respond and come up here to this altar just as a response to say, Lord, we'll lay it all down again to see you come with your power and come with your spirit and come with your glory and come with who you are. Can we just have a moment and a time, I feel this in my spirit, of just repentance, church?
Tony, I almost couldn't come out of here tonight. Leah's like, what's wrong with you? I said, Leah, I'm just, there's a burden of the Lord on my heart. There's a burden of the Lord on my heart. We have a whole generation that's lost and dying and going to hell. This young generation has been chewed up by the enemy. And church, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. What's the answer? Separating ourselves from the world so that there's no longer a blending. There's no longer a a line of, well, who are you exactly? Can I tell you? I'm not talking about becoming religious, mean people. I'm talking about, and Paul said this in, in the same book. He said, if God's dealing with you about something, you take it to God and you live it out. Don't try to put it on somebody else. That's what we all try to do. But I'm saying for every single person that's here, it's something different for all of us that God is dealing with your heart. If we just take a minute and just say, Lord, Father, search and know our hearts, God. Repent so that times of refreshing will come from the Lord. God, we here at Christian Center Church, we acknowledge, God, there's so many areas that we fall short. And Lord, I thank you for grace. I thank you for space, for grace. I thank you, God, that you you continually convict us and woo us and lead us and guide us. But God, we acknowledge tonight it is an act of our will to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us to run the race that you have laid out before us, Father. So God is the shepherd, is the under-shepherd, is the steward of this house, of this church. God, we just lay ourselves out before you tonight and say, God, cleanse us of secret sin. Cleanse us of sins of commission and sins of omission. God, cleanse us, Holy Spirit, of bad attitudes and, and even things in our heart that do not please you, God, tonight. We want to be obedient to your word. We want to be obedient to your Holy Spirit. We desire to hear your voice. We desire for a move of God that in these next few months, Lord, you will begin to draw in the unsaved, draw in the drug addicted, draw in the prostitute, draw in the homeless, draw in, God, the richest person in this county. God, I don't care. But God, those who have a heart for the kingdom, God, we want to see them touched and changed by the glory of God. Father, I ask for boldness. You said the righteous are as bold as a lion, God. Let your church arise and be awakened from the slumber that she is in. Let us begin to be stirred for the things of God and the things of the Spirit. Father, we're asking tonight that you light a fire down in our souls. God, light a fire. Light a fire, God. Burn up every trace of sin. Burn up everything that's not of you, God. We just make a fresh commitment of devotion, Lord, of devotion that we will, we will watch what we allow in our eye gates. We will watch and be guarding against what we allow in our ear gates. We will watch what we allow into our, our spirit man, Father. Purify your bride. Wash that we may be without spot and without wrinkle. Wash us with the water of the word. Wash us fresh with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That we would not be out in the world with stains on our garments. But Father, we pray tonight that you wash, that you wash us, that you wash us, Lord God. God, I want to end this by praying for those who are lost and apart from you. 
God, the drug addict, the homosexual, the, the liar, the stealer, the, the people, God, who, who are, are caught up in their own sin. Father, we pray for a great delivering power of God. God, that we would no longer, Father, tangle and enjoy and, and tickle with the things of the world, but that, God, we would be holy as you are holy, that we would be set apart for your purpose, just as we sang tonight, God, Lord, prepare us individually and prepare this place to be a sanctuary of the living God. Cleanse these vessels, Father, tonight. Cleanse these vessels, Jesus. Cleanse these vessels, Jesus. God, we hear your call. We hear your call, Lord. Come up higher, the Lord says. Come up higher, the Lord says. The Lord says that you have not even begun to tap into what I have placed within you. I hear the word focus. 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 Do not get distracted on the left and don't get distracted on the right. But keep your eyes focused on Him. And his return. Lord, we cry tonight, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Jesus. 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 God, we make a commitment tonight. We will stand on your word. Even though that the winds come and the waves crash. God, we claim your word tonight that those who hear your word and do your word are like those who build on the right foundation. God, the winds come and the rains beat down and the wave crashes, but they still stand because, Lord God, help us not to build our lives on the shifting sands of culture and the shifting sands of this world, but, God, help us to build upon the the rock that is Jesus Christ in your word. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Some of, some of you have tough decisions to make. You have tough decisions to make. Because when, when we hear his voice, the Bible tells us, do not harden your heart. Because if we continually harden our hearts to his voice, we'll come to the place where we no longer hear it. Lord, give us soft hearts. Give me a soft heart. Give me a heart that even at the slightest whisper, the slightest wind of your spirit, God, we would be moved. We would be moved with a holy awe. Let the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, return to the body of Christ. God, you are a consuming fire. And that is the beginning of wisdom, of realizing God, that you are holy and dwell in unapproachable light. Yet you beckon us to come. You beckon us to get near. You beckon us. God, I thank you. I thank you that tonight we are in Christ Jesus. That you always see us at our greatest potential. So Lord, I pray not only set us on fire, and build a culture of honor and get the junk out of our lives, God, I pray that each person here would see themselves like you see them.
holy, and acceptable. Let us live up to the truth of your word tonight. Let us live as those worthy, to walk worthy of the high calling that is in Jesus Christ. Father, we bless you and we praise you. Father, I bless the people of God of Christian Center Church. Father, may they be blessed going in and may they be blessed going out. May they be blessed at work and may they be blessed in their homes. Father, I pray with all my heart that your face would turn towards them. You would shine upon them and you would give them peace and healing and joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that, God, you would continue to raise us up to sit with you in heavenly places, Lord. We thank you for that tonight. Protect and watch over each one until you bring us back together at the appointed time. And, Lord, I pray that the revelation of us as a family that love each other and honor each other and an army that will fight side by side against the enemy and what he desires to do would sink so deeply into our hearts tonight that, God, we're ready for battle against the enemy and what he desires to do. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. Let me, let me tell you one more thing. I told Leah a couple weeks ago, and the, the, the reason that, that I always just kind of draw back and I pray about something for a while is very simple. I know the price to pay to receive. It's all paid for, but there's a price to pay to get what God has for us. Do you hear me? And I had to pray about that for a little while. You say, man, Pastor, what are you talking about? You'll understand, okay? You'll understand. Amen? Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed.